This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You opposed government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. They're gonna stop us. They're gonna kill us all. See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. Time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious that you're so sick at heart. But you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to win the day to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution Welcome to Crypt Ricks I've Been Thinking. What's this show all about? Well, it's all in the title. He enjoys interviewing people about issues that he finds interesting and which cause him to sit back and think. Cryptocurrency, true crime, natural law, the occult. No topic is off limits here. He has always enjoyed when people give their points of view or thoughts on different topics that they have researched. And what makes it all great is that it's their unique take on what is being discussed. For that reason alone, it makes it interesting to him. So take that walk down to his crypt. Make yourself comfortable. And just maybe, he will be discussing a topic that you have been thinking about. Here's your host, Crypt Rick. Well, welcome, everybody. I just want to welcome you once again to Crypt Rick's I've Been Thinking. And I hope everybody's having a great, had a great day, having a great evening, had a great weekend. I definitely always like to give you guys an update, let you know that the weather here where I live up in Canada is actually, it was a beautiful day today. The sun was out and the snow where I live at least has all been melted. So, I mean, spring is definitely, uh, kicking the crap out of winter and it's i think finally spring is definitely here and i i'm hoping it is and the uh, warm weather is on the way because i am very excited i'm just about done with winter and this is about the time of year where i just had i've had enough i think a lot of people are like that and it's great to see the warm weather so that's just my little update about how the weather is up at least where i live in canada so a beautiful day today so i hope it's been like that for everybody you know i hope they, everybody had a, had a great day today 
and a great weekend. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, that's for sure, as we all know. Um, and just before I get started and get my guest on, I just want to let, I always let everyone know it is listener supported here at Revolution Radio. And, you know, I always say it's all you listeners that make this all work by your donations, which are greatly appreciated. Uh, definitely keeping freedom alive, fighting for freedom. And as I always tell people, the, you know, the powers to be are definitely trying to stop free speech and block a lot of things. I know I've been censored on YouTube. A few of my videos have been pulled down for very minor things. They just do not want you talking truth. So it's very important to support uh, the station because here we're, you know, we're talking truth and freedom of speech is alive and well. So definitely if you can donate, it is greatly appreciated. Everything helps. Lots of different ways. You can do a Patreon we uh, donate a little bit every month, whatever you uh, want to donate. You, cryptocurrency, if that's your thing, got Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum. So you can do it that way. And there's also the shop. You make sure you check that out. Go to the website, check out the shop. A lot of great stuff in there, T-shirts, mugs. So check that out. Everything you do, it helps keep uh, Revolution Radio up here running and uh, fighting for freedom. So I think it's a great cause and everything is appreciated, guys. So amazing stuff here going on and i just want to let everyone know i have an amazing guest that i'm going to be bringing on now and uh i did first find this gentleman uh through youtube i was uh, searching around and i did find his youtube channel and loved all the topics that he covers on there and then i ended up watching uh on freedom under natural law which is funnel i ended up watching his presentation which was uh called the ultimate ultimate connection divine creative energy and then found out that he also has a website called nevil.life. And I just loved all the topics he was covering. I loved his presentation, so I knew I had to get him on the show to chat with all of us. So I'd just like to welcome my guest, Chris Jansen. How are you doing, Chris? Doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me. This is oh, awesome. You're, oh, you're most welcome. I, like, I thank you for coming on because uh, – I think that, you know, after watching your videos and stuff like that, I, I definitely love the videos that you've been doing. I loved your presentation and a lot of great stuff on, on the funnel uh, page when I when I discovered that all the you guys are doing presentations on there about amazing topics and stuff that needs to be talked about. And so it's great. I think you're doing an amazing job in getting uh, the message out there, you know, about, you know, freedom and natural law and all of the stuff that I love covering and which I'm going to be covering for you know, definitely the foreseeable future this is what my topics are going to be is natural law and stuff. So it's great to have you here and get your thoughts on things. Yeah, it's just amazing in some ways to hear that. Yeah, other people like to hear what I'm talking about, because for a, a long time, for a real long time, trying to talk about these types of topics and subjects, um, oh, I'll say more often than not, people don't want to hear about them. And so, right. When you actually meet people that are excited about the things I'm saying and um, it's it's like, wow, really, they're they're out there. That's a good yep. sign. You know, that's exciting. Yep. That that gives me hope that there's people like you out there that that are that are getting it, you know, right. yeah, and, and not I, only that, but you're out there um, trying to help and trying to help other people understand what's going on that. And that's uh, that's rare indeed. <laughs> it is. And it's and that's what I tell people when you start um talking about freedom and natural law and morality and stuff like that. And, you know, it's not, you do, it's definitely not a popular topic for a lot of people. When you start covering these topics, 
you know, I noticed right away that you do start getting a lot of pushback and people get angry with you a lot of the times because, you know, you're definitely talking, talking, you're, when you start diving deep into these topics, uh, people, a lot of people don't like that. They kind of run the other direction. They don't want to confront these things. And so we have to do it. And I'm here for the whole, I'm here for the long haul. I will, that's what I'm, that's what I, is in my heart to do. And it's been in my heart to do for a while now. And I, you know, at first I, as I told people, it was a lot of fear that stopped me from doing it. And I came up with every excuse. And then I finally just had to, you know, doing through shadow work, I realized that that's what was ruling me at that time was fear to not actually get out there and get my voice out there and start telling people about this. Cause as I was saying in my last show, a lot of people take in this information, but that's not enough. We actually have to, once you take it in and understand it, then it's definitely your duty to go out there and start teaching it. I wonder, what are your thoughts on that? You know, it's um, the word responsibility comes to my mind, you know, like when you're old enough to respond to something, then, and you have the ability to respond to something, then it becomes your response ability. And, and it's like, if you saw a child getting abused and you just walked by, is that okay? You know, how is that not evil to allow harm to be done when you have the ability to do something about it? So I think either folks just don't completely get the gravity of the situation or folks are actually participating in evil to different extents, you know, and for me, that realization grew at a certain point in my life and just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And the pressure, you know, it's like a pressure cooker. Like I have to release this, you know? And and so I didn't feel like I had much choice at a certain point because I had the ability. I knew I had the ability to speak in front of people and I knew people aren't hearing these words that are bounced around in my brain and Mm -hmm. they're not going to start thinking about them until they at least understand what the words are or hear it a couple times. You know, it takes a few times, you know, it's going to take a lot of times to get in um, skulls as thick as ours. For some reason, you know, our skulls are um, pretty thick these days and that's a strange thing. And that's, you know, probably what we wind up talking about the rest of this conversation is why, Are people so um, willing to drink the Kool-Aid? Why are they um, just so thick-headed and um, kind of like animal-minded? Right. Well, I and I def I totally agree. And that's the thing is that um, I think that I think just that like when I look at the yeah like I I I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And that's the thing that I I've realized too is that when you start attacking, I think what the reason that people are so resistant to this, at least from from my from my experience is that when you start questioning their beliefs and attacking their beliefs uh they you know people get very defensive and i think that's the problem is that when you start looking into these topics you start asking these hard questions you start questioning their beliefs and it makes people uncomfortable and a lot of people i i find at least in my uh, immediate area they kind of run the other way when you start talking about this so i think it's just i think that's what it is is that when we're kind of questioning their beliefs is where they kind of um that's why they kind of had that reaction, I think, at first. But I just keep talking to them about it, hoping that, you know, eventually they will look into these topics and plant the seeds, right? I mean, a, a seed could take a, a week to, you know, grow. It could take a year, but at least we're out there planting the seeds and hoping that people will look into this information because I think it's life-changing and it's super important that people do. 
I, I listened to a book um, not too long ago. I'm not I've, I'm not the best at reading. I, I'm good at reading. Don't get me wrong. But for it's really difficult for me to actually sit down and read books. But mm-hmm. when I started getting into listening books, I was able to digest books, you know, because I can listen to them a couple times. Right. And, and it starts to soak in. But anyway, the one that I was just thinking of was about a story, uh, a book about um, Thomas Paine. It was Christopher Hitchens, this guy. And he writes this book trying to explain where the writings of Thomas Paine, he, he makes this point, were used in some key war um, in, you know, for our independence. And the, these words that inspired these soldiers to actually go fight in these conditions and risk their lives were written by this man. And you can see what a big change in history, just some wise words or some well-written words, you know, can change the events of history. And, and every war in history always starts with the propaganda. Exactly. And, and that ultimately what that propaganda is, is salesmanship. It's, it's selling an idea. It's selling a belief. It's um, managing people's emotions. Manipulating their emotions for the most part is the way it's done. Yep. And uh, you can see that every day. I, I see it every day. When, like, when you see it, you, you never unsee it. And, and for me, definitely, uh, how they man- manipulate people. And we've talked about that off air a little bit. And I, and I was like, I remember even from a young age, like when I started looking into this from like a younger age and that, that I was wondering why is humanity, though I always wondered why we are the way that we are. Like that's what kind of what I always question. And I definitely 100% believe that as humanity stands right now in the aggregate, we are definitely a slave species. And I know that makes people uncomfortable when you say that, but it's if when you start diving into it, that's just the truth. And I mean, as uncomfortable as that is to hear, it's the truth. And I that's how I see humanity. We're definitely uh, treated like slaves and so I always wondered how come we're like this, what got us here, and why we accept it so willingly, even if we don't realize that we're accepting it or people are, they are. And so me and you, I remember that's kind of like when I started, when I found you and started, and then we talked and kind of talking about, you know, how this may have come about. So I've looked in and we were talking about basically uh, like the human origins and an interference theory, where I think that somewhere along the lines in our history, we were definitely interfered with. And, you know, so I just wanted, and I know, uh, just to explain to people that, like, let people know what we were talking about and just give me your thoughts on it, Chris. Yeah, you know, it was, it was cool that that came up because, it maybe it came up because of me, actually, probably, because I've been doing, like, my last three um, episodes on my show, on the End Evil podcast, about um the same question, and we called it the conspiracy of all conspiracies. I was having a conversation with my good friend Dom, and we were just talking about, you know, why that's important and, and the possibility of, you know, where we came from. But actually, what's kind of more important is how I came to wanting to make that a topic. Okay. And, be, and how I got into that was, you know, like we originally started, I'm kind of being a little hard on people saying like, you know, some people are thick skulled, people drink the Kool-Aid, this kind of thing. You know, it's it's derogative in a way, calling people sheep or saying they don't get it. But there was a point in my life where I can see clearly where I kind of realized I got it in terms of what I mean by that is recognizing that the one true important thing is freedom or not freedom. 
and what freedom is or isn't. You know, that's like yeah. the real important key here. And and before I realized that, you know, I was somewhere around 40 years old when I started really kind of coming to that realization. And before that point, you know, I didn't completely get it. I had I had a pretty um, strong realization point. Let me put it that way. I had sort of a, a matrix awakening, you know, mm-hmm. you know, where he's Neo's looking over the side of the pod at, you know, all the people in the pods and realizing for the first time that he's actually connected physically to this machine. Right. You know, for me, it felt very much like that. I had, a, you know, like a week in my life where it was this like the point being why I'm going into all this is I recognize that people out there that don't get it, like I'm saying, or that are drinking the punch. Some of them might still come to realize these things. And some of the words that we share or write down or record might help people in the future that haven't got to that point get to that point. Right. And it's going to be a lot easier for them if there's a lot more sources that are easier to find, you know, so we're trying to make, we're trying to make that happen. Right. You know, and, and, and I think that's important because it got what, what it got me thinking about is like, okay, how do we get through to people? You know, if I say certain things, I notice it pushes people away. It turns them off. All the news I'm delivering is like really bad news, you know, <laughs> like they used it's to true. call the, the good book, the good news, right? Like this is the bad book because it's all bad news. It's, it's, it's going to suck. I'm going to, sh- I'm going to share with you this information. It's going to be like a heavy weight on your shoulders. Then you're going to feel the responsibility of having to share it with others. And it's all totally bad news. It's about like human trafficking, poor little children, the terrible, terrible things that happen to them and what these evil people do. It's like the worst kind of stuff you could possibly want to talk about or think about. And you're now trying to share that with people like it's the good news, right? Yeah, <laughs> it sucks. It's it's not really a fun job to want to, you know try to share with somebody a bunch of crappy news. But right. in the world we live in, like you have to get people's attention. You have to sell this idea. You have to we have to come up with good propaganda to to kind of help people understand the bad propaganda, right? And how do right. you do that? And it got me thinking about the trail that I went on before I got to that point I'm telling you about when I woke up in the matrix. And how did I realize? I started trying to think back. What were the things that kind of struck me along the way? that started guiding me down that path. And maybe I can think of those things and then kind of use those as bait to help other people realize those things a little faster and jump across these little, you know, stones of knowledge a little quicker. And and one of them that originally got me is a question you asked. It was like, where do we come from? You know, I was always really curious. I'm like the kind of person that needs to keep asking questions. I need to ask why, you know, I was a kid and asked why my parents were pretty cool. They didn't shut me down. They let me ask why. So they encouraged that type of thinking. So like, I'm very much into that questioning. And so, yeah, I, I remember seeing some, I think it was like those ancient aliens kind of shows were coming out and I was like, okay, you know, this is very interesting, but this show seems a little like kind of commercialized and there's certain aspects of it that seem kind of cheesy and so I started looking more into it and I got um I started getting into Zachariah Sitchin. Me too. Yep. <laughs> several of his books. You know, I'd find one at the used bookstore or whatever. And you start looking into one of Zachariah Sitchin's books and they're pretty in depth. It's like, oh, there's a lot of research in there. You're like, you know, you could disagree with this guy all you want, but he put a lot of work into this. For this, sure. Because he's cross referencing like 
stuff from the Bible and then stuff from the Vedic scriptures and then some rubbing he did at an actual site, you know, in some, mm-hmm. you know, place. And he's got maps and then he's, you know, drawn all these correlations and parallels. It's it's mind bending. It's for me. I grew up with religion. Like my dad was a preacher and he was a theologian, you know? Yes. Me too. You know, we had concordances in the house. We had, you know, walls of books. Not, I mean, I'm getting a little exaggerating, but we had a lot of, lot of thick books about Bible stuff. Let me put it that way. (laughs) I went, yeah, I went, I was, I was telling you off air. I went to Catholic school for, from grade one to grade eight. And it was, it was, it was rough. I had a rough call. I, I, I drove the priest crazy asking questions I drove the uh, the teachers crazy asking questions, and um, I guess I was very fortunate, and maybe you were too, that I had parents that were very supportive in me asking questions. Like they would, like I would get called to the office. I've said this on the air before. Like I would be at the office all the time because I would be asking questions to the priest about religion that he couldn't answer, and he'd get upset, and I'd get sent to the office. And then I would ask teachers, uh, my teachers in the class, about certain topics, and they couldn't answer it. And then you know they would actually send me to the office and then my parents would get called because they were, they deemed that I was causing trouble. Like I still remember that. And I was like, how am I getting in trouble for asking questions? And my parents were very supportive. Like they were my mom, like, you know, they would do the parent thing while at the principal's office, like, Oh, we'll have a talk with them and stuff like that. But as soon as we got out of the building, my mom would be like, you just keep asking questions. Like my parents were like yours encouraged me to ask questions. Definitely let me go out as a child and explore the world. And I think that's rare. I think we had rare parents because a lot of people I talked to, they, their parents weren't like that, at least, at least the ones I talked to. Yeah, yeah, I think, it, you know, and you don't know you're rare when you're young, you know, as you're yep. growing up, and you, you don't realize how rare your way of seeing things. Well, another thing that I really experienced, I know you're going to totally um, reverberate with this too. Okay. Is that, like, I'm kind of like a a sponge about emotions and feelings and uh, perspectives, I guess you could Mm -hmm. say, where from a very young age, it was always really easy for me to kind of empathetically see other people's feelings and thoughts and emotions where they were coming from. And, and it just kind of came naturally. And it took a long time to where I started realizing a lot of other people didn't do that the way I did. I also like saw things very much, um, in a kind of big perspective, you know, and I thought everybody did that. But then I'm starting to realize that, oh, a lot of the people don't do that. And the way I thought, I remember deciding very much as a very, very young kid that like whatever anybody does around me, I have this vast expanse of thought space in my own mind and I can do whatever I want in there. It's my own mind, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, I think that's kind of uncommon, too, now that I realize I've mentioned it and brought it up different times. And it's like, I think that's kind of a novel thing, but it seemed always very normal to me. Right. Yeah. I, I was the same way. I, I just thought it was really weird that like, I, I'm that I would ask questions and I was very curious and I wanted to learn. I'm like, I'm like you, I'm a sponge. I love learning in, uh, t- information. I love absorbing it and then thinking about it and, you know, coming to my own conclusions about it and I, and analyzing it, I guess you could say, and I definitely have been like that my whole life. And that's what definitely got me started on this journey. So I know for me, when I started looking into Zachary Ascension and that, then I found uh, Mark Passio's lecture on cosmic abandonment. 
and I remember watching that for the first time. And I and I always tell people, I don't know how I found Mark's work. I don't know if it was Cosmic Abandonment or his Natural Law uh, seminar, or it was one of those. Like it was one of those, or the order following one. I can't ever remember the order, but uh, when I first discovered his work, and then I found and I watched the Cosmic Abandonment one, which I'm sure you have. And for me, it was just it. What he was talking about in there, and what I was researching with Zachary Ascension and all that, it it just made sense to me. Like it just compared to what I've been told all through my life about our history and where we come from and our origins and that, I just always had a problem with that. It just it didn't feel right. And then when I saw that presentation and started doing research and reading some books and looking into people that were talking about this, it really resonated for me that it just. To me, it seems to make more sense. What do you? Have you I'm sure you've seen that lecture, or I should say presentation. Uh, sorry, and yeah, what do you think and, of it? Well, here's the other piece of the puzzle, and I can't remember. I think I discovered. Can't remember what order. Yeah, I think it's I hard to remember the orders. Uh, Lloyd Pye through Mark yes. Castillo, yep. and when he got to that episode and started talking about um, Lloyd Pye, and I watched Everything You Know Is Wrong. You know, it was kind of, I kind of had that same feeling I had like I was describing as I was going through Zechariah Sitchin's work. And it wasn't just him, too. It was like Chariots of the Gods, Von Donneken, yeah, and the yes, Forbidden great. Archaeology, and all these other workers, you know, uh, um, what's his name I'm not thinking of right now, Graham Hancock. And, um, you know, it was kind of putting all these people together at once, and I was listening to podcasts, you know, and, and it was just like you starting to see all these parallels. And then with the biblical thing, the thing was, I was always really stuck on on certain aspects of the Bible and biblical things that I remember, like like I said before, as a kid, I made a certain decision in my mind when I was now now a little older, when I was like 9, 10, 11, somewhere in there at church. And I'm like starting to get into Sunday school and thinking about stuff. And I'm like, OK, self, you know, if something doesn't make sense to me and I can't actually logically explain why some rule should be followed. I'm not necessarily going to follow it. You know, exactly. I had this sort of, I had this sort of principle I set up with my own self to where I wasn't going to accept things unless I could make some sense of them. And some of the things that I never completely accepted, I just sort of put them aside. Were like, you know, um, things like the guy getting swallowed by the whale, Jonah and the whale, right? Um, he, he I always gets, had problems with that one. He gets swallowed <laughs> by a fish in one version, another one it's a whale. Okay, he's living inside there for a few days. It's like, okay, how does that work? These, there's a lot of things that defy the reality that I live in that supposedly happen in these ancient times and some of these miracles where it's like, I get the gist of the message here, especially the part about Jesus and stuff in the red letters. But a lot of these stories, especially in the Old Testament, seem like these vindictive, angry kind of God who's allowing his people, his special people, he's chosen, he's kind of like, chosen one people over another and he sounds like a eugenicist like where he's trying to create this perfect race and he wants his perfect race to go invade this other area and they just oh you're going to go take the city it's like weird stuff that doesn't align with the other stuff we're talking about love right. and you know and and the, and the jesus was talking anyway a lot of those stories were really like frustrating for me i never completely liked how it was all put together it didn't make sense it seemed like a mishmash and exactly. then when I read the Sitchin works and I started getting into the ancient alien stuff and the intervention theory and Lloyd Pye, then it was like, okay, now these stories, when you stand back and look at them, they're starting to make logical sense. Exactly. They're starting to be like, 
okay, there's a, there's a continuity here because in every country around the world, we have ancient weird structures that are unexplained and all kinds of anomalies, right? And then we also have the same stories about these godlike things. And then we also have all these parallels with astronomy and astrology mm-hmm. in the names, in the words, in our calendars, in, you know, every movie you see, every superhero movie you see, you know, most plays have some echoes of this. Almost every story has some echo of, of these same myths that go back. Right. So That's it's hard to me. There's That's not some something to this. That mm-hmm. being said, the biggest lesson of all that for me in the end was you can't accept stories. You, you can't believe in any story. There, mm-hmm. there, there maybe is always a better story. Maybe that one we're hearing is only part of it, and there's a lot more to it that will make it even more, you know, jump out at us. You can't accept stories. It's about knowing. It's not about believing. That's where I ended up. Yeah, me too. And and that's a great point too. I mean, we don't know. Like, I mean, we don't know, right? I mean, the, for me, I and I totally agree that you. It's we don't know. That's the thing. But when I look into it, for some reason, that when I looked into that work and read the books I did and stuff and started learning about it, it just seemed. Uh, it just resonated with me that it could. It it seems more. It's not as crazy as it sounds. That humanity at some point was interfered with and i think it does explain uh a lot of why we are the way that we are and our fascination with gold which was something that i even as a child i always kind of found kind of weird i don't know if you did but i'm i mean i'm not i never understood why people had this fascination with gold and and stuff so i i remember questioning that too like why why gold like i mean out of like why is that such a high um a high thing to people like i mean you can't eat it well technically we can't eat it i mean i know that there's stories that well it's like one of the only metals that doesn't um go away it never right diminishes it doesn't you know dissolve or it just it doesn't go away it just always stays you know yep just kind of weird because most other things will either crumble or melt or you know gold just sticks around which is kind of trippy it is. But yeah, there's there's more to it too. The way it's prized, so prized, you know. And, yep. and you know, I I think for me honestly, what what it was is kind of like a big sigh of relief because, it, you know, if you get into this discussion about anything conspiratorial with somebody, and this discussion can go on for hours, eventually where it ends up is human nature, right? Most people want to kind of argue that human nature is bad and that's the problem. You know, there's like, oh, they want to throw up their arms and say it's just because of human nature. What can you do? You know, I hear that a lot. If you start, I'm telling you, it comes and I've had, you know, people I sit down and really get into this discussion. And eventually that's where it boils down to where, where our disagreement really lies, you know, with some some people that have gone the distance with me, you know, and (laughs) and it's a hard it's a hard thing to realize that. Really, at the core, the people that are saying you're being too conspiratorial, you know, are actually kind of being more negative because they're saying that, well, human nature is bad. Therefore, we need jails. We need punishment. We need military. We need all these things in place because humans are evil and they're, you know, inherently bad. Yes. And that's where they're going with it. And for me, this whole understanding that's very likely that as a race, as a type of being, 
we've been, you know, totally traumatized in our, in our childhood in our, infancy, yeah. in the infancy yep. of what we are right now, which is basically the, the newest invention of the universe. Yep. When you think about it, we're the most modern technology that exists in the organic realm, you know, one of right. the most, one of the, not the most, but maybe the most advanced technology of organic structure that we know of. But does that not mean that we weren't altered or um, abused at some point or created by, you know, um, something that's not really God itself, but another being of some sort? Not, you know, it's very likely. And and that story would explain a lot. And it lets me kind of say, maybe it's not because of our nature. Maybe it's because we're still dealing with a heavy trauma from abuse because we can see how that works in real life. Everybody knows people that have been dealing with trauma or abuse. PTSD is a good example where, you know, it's not easy to overcome. It leaves scars. And then it, people do cyclical bad things. Look at abuse cycles like abusers tend to go out and, you know, someone who's abused tends to go out and um, abuse someone else. And then their child abuses someone else. And they, you know, the codependent people tend to marry someone who abuses because their dad did it. You know, and they the cycle continues. You know. Yeah, and that makes that's what resonated with me too. Is like because I like as I said, I always ask the question, why are we? Why is humanity the way that it is? Why? For me, it just seems that we, for some reason, love to punish ourselves. And then when I start when I started looking into the work that we're speaking about and saw that presentation and that it it definitely to me like it just made sense why where we got all our forms of like you know, money and government and religion, when you start boiling it down and you look into this work, it just, at least from what, what how I felt, it resonated with me and it kind of makes sense where we got these beliefs because that was another thing that I questioned, I'm always questioning is why do we have the beliefs that we do? Like that's a really big topic to me that I like talking to my friends about and people that I talk to is why do you believe the things that you believe like they're like why do you believe them so hard and or defend them and i just think that when i when you start looking at this work it just uh and these people that are uh presenting this work and talking about it um it does make a lot of sense to me it really does it, like i just remember having that moment when i was uh learning about it and i was like wow this just really uh resonates with me and it explains a lot of the things of why humanity is the way that it is and why we're not seeming to make any progress uh i know that a lot of people i talk to they're like humanity is waking up you know every day more people are waking up and i always say i don't see it i mean i see little pockets of people here and there waking up but i don't see a this big mass awakening that people keep telling me about what are your thoughts on that do you see it or is it maybe just my area i don't know so i just want to get your thoughts well, you know, I try to think of myself as an optimistic person. Okay. And and kind of like the way I see it is this is something where you can zoom in or zoom out in how you think about it. And and that's a useful tool for a lot of things. And I want to talk sure. about that in, in regards to good and evil too. But, you know, I try to look at it from the point of view that if things are going to change – and people are actually going to work towards freedom as a whole, humanity, it's probably not going to happen in my lifetime based on what I'm seeing right now. Right. You know, I can only see a very small view from where I'm standing. I don't, you know, I, I travel around 
quite a bit more than a lot of people I know, but you know, these days I'm not, you know, I only travel around this state, you know, and I only see so much, but from what I do see, you know, we're vastly, 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 vastly outnumbered. Those of us who are um, aware that there's a problem with freedom, just that simple, just that simple thing, much less natural law. And even if we could get everybody on the same page with the freedom issue as being the most crucial problem, they still wouldn't all necessarily understand the core concepts of natural law and the self-defense principle. Mm-hmm. That's really another step that's even harder. So to get people there, you know, I mean, realistically, it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of work and probably a lot of hardship and struggle. So I don't realistically think I'm going to be seeing it anytime soon. So I kind of feel like what I'm doing, even though it feels, um, it feels like it's not going to bear any fruit. I'm not going to see the fruit of my labors in my lifetime, probably, you know, except for cool little interactions, like meeting someone like you, you know, finding other people that want to get involved, helping them work on their projects. You know, there's all kinds of little wins, but realistically, you know, it's going to take a lot, a lot, a lot more. And, um, we got a lot, a long road ahead of us, you know? So I hear a lot of people kind of saying like, things are changing, you know, everybody's awakening. And I would just tend to caution people, even if that was true, we'd be better off staying in the mindset of it's not enough yet. Exactly. Right. Because there's a war ahead of us. And why take that mindset? You know, just recently I got to go for a little climbing adventure and um, I haven't climbed in many years, you know, actually being on, on belay on a rope. Oh, really? And, and I was climbing up something that was fairly difficult, you know, and I, I really did not want to fall, even though I was on the rope and it wasn't like I would really fall. I really wanted to make it up this thing. Right. And I got past a really difficult part and I was pretty proud of myself and it was almost to the top and I could see that last handhold and it was like to the point where if i just kind of left and grabbed it i'd get there but i cautioned myself and i'm like you're so close right now man don't mess (laughs) it up you you made it this far and i made forced myself to stay calm and move really slow and and get make sure i had that last handhold real good you know so i mean we're nowhere near the last handhold towards freedom but even if we were we'd be better off with the mindset of you're still hanging on the side of a cliff Let's get to the top and then celebrate. You know, in the meantime, we got a lot of work to do. It's no time. Oh, everybody's waking up. Q's got it under control. You know, no, no, we, you have to engage yourself and change things. We, each of us do. I got a lot of work to do. I'm not, I I was, the whole point I'm trying to say is that before I realized, I didn't realize. So there were a lot of years where I had, didn't realize things, you know? Yeah. So I'm not trying to say I'm better than anyone by, knowing something they don't know but i am going to say that when you know the things the importance of freedom and when you know what natural law means you you do have a leg up on reality Uh, you know yeah and i and i know like and and i'm curious on your take on this too i know because we were talking about schooling and i like i was saying i went to a catholic public school and that and or and i definitely know that a lot of my beliefs that I had to struggle with in my shadow work came from a lot of it at that time, like uh, what they were teaching me. And so I'm, and I kind of struggled with that in my early years. Uh, 
and we were kind of talking about school indoctrination and with religion and Christianity and that. And I can only come at it from my point because it was my experience of uh, being in school and getting taught that. And I was glad I questioned it. But what do you, um, what are your takes on that with the school indoctrination and uh, with, you know, with religion and stuff like that? I think that that's where a lot of people's beliefs come from and they don't ever really question it. And so what do you think about that? Talk about trauma. For sure. I think I yep. think the the best way I could relate to that is to tell little stories, you know, from my childhood. Okay. Like, you know, I the one I think I told you this one in our first conversation. I I think it's the best story about about religion. I got one about religion and one about school. Perfect. In in religion, you know, I was my we were steady churchgoers. My dad was very into church, you know, and we were there every Sunday. Always early, not just on time. We were there early. And uh, I remember these experiences when it was time for communion. It was a big Methodist church that had, you know, pews, all big long rows of wooden pews with the choir space in the back and the carpeted stairs up to the pulpit. And behind the pulpit, there's this huge other little carpeted, little, pretty good size carpeted with a bar and the little kneeling things and you know, every fourth week or whatever, they'd make the announcement. Everybody would like quietly start standing up in rows and organing themselves in the lines. And I would start like getting the giggles. And I didn't want to. I, I knew my dad would get mad at me, but it all seemed kind of funny to me, you know, and I would try to keep it in and be like, you know, trying to just breathe. And we're in the line and then we'd get closer and closer to the front. And I'm like trying not to make any noises or anything. And we get up there and sure enough, he'd whisper to me, this is the body of Christ, you know, and hand me the bread or whatever. This is the blood. And, and I would just lose it, man. I just start laughing, just busting up. You know, I remember getting dragged out, my dad dragging me out by my ear and scolding <laughs> me, you know, outside sternly, you know, and I'm like crying, you know, and thinking back, like how freaking traumatizing. I wasn't trying to make fun of their thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had to be there. You know, I didn't create that situation. It was funny to me. It seemed silly. And thinking back from my point of view now, it was freaking silly. It's ridiculous what they were putting me through and expecting me to try to stay serious in a ridiculous situation. You yeah. know, and, and I'm supposed to feel bad about it. You know, I'm living my life and I'm like, oh, I'm bad. I'm a sinner. You know, like it, it's a setup. The, the whole way religion is, is a setup. And it's all these stories to like convince you like a miracle is just a story to convince you to believe without knowing ultimately mm -hmm. and when when you get people to believe without knowing they're they're even easier to manipulate that's just a psychological truth you know it's just the exactly. way shit works it, it's like you know when they um when you've seen stories or movies about how they torture somebody and they they basically try to get them to say something that's false a lot of times you know they just keep making them repeat something and you know you've broke them when you're like Orwell, you know, and you're you're ready to say that two plus two is five. We got mm -hmm. you, you know. So if they can convince you that the world, you know, human race started such and such years ago and there's, you know, A.D. and B.C. And those are the years when things change and, um, you know, set up all these series of lies about your history and where you come from. You know, just make up a bunch of stories. You believe those stories. 
the way you think, it actually manipulates the choices you make in your life because that's the foundation of your belief system of what you think and how you form your decisions. Exactly. And that, that I'm glad that we were talking about that. I remember we talked about that when we first talked, and that was one thing that we definitely connected on was the whole uh, religion aspect of it. And that was the thing that I struggled with too because I, I was felt bad to question when I would question a priest or I would question my teachers or and even people around the neighborhood that were – that had that belief. If I questioned them, like I really, they gave me a funny look. Some of them would give me trouble. Uh, say I should never question. I should just believe. Like don't question these things. They're in the Bible. Believe them. And and I would still question them. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that uh, uh, belief system without, and then they don't ever look into things further or question things. And I think that's very dangerous when you don't, when you kind of cut yourself off from looking deeper into these topics because I, and I think that's definitely by design 100% that they do not want people uh, starting to think consciously and clearly and start questioning. I think they definitely, even from a young age, they kind of drill into you not to do that. At least it was that in my case. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah, school's the other thing. So you're getting hit on, I'm getting hit on Sundays with the yep. religious indoctrination where it's, you know, like I'm saying, basically trying to convince you to, Focus your mind on storytelling, Yep. different types of storytelling. And what, what that does is eventually it takes you away from the inner truth. Luckily for me, my dad was one of those people that did ask a lot of questions and encouraged me to do so. Right. And that's why we had so many books in our house. He wasn't your typical churchgoer. He actually liked to read the books and learn the different interpretations. And he'd read about Eastern philosophy and he loved Alan Watts and these kind of guys. You know, really? and that's cool. And so I got a lot of good stuff and a lot of introduction to um, different um, perspectives, you know. So yep. I wasn't just stuck on one. But, you know, like school hit me pretty hard, man. I Honestly, it took me years to stop. Like I remember waking up with bad dreams, like having to go to high school, you know. I was like that in public school. High school was better for me. High school was a little better, but yeah, public school was awful for me. I had a really rough time in public school. I mean, I'm saying after it, you know, I would still have like nightmares about waking up and having to go to school, period. You know, by the time I'd been in that crap for 16 years, the last thing I want to do is go back. So I was like, (laughs) I did not go to college and um, I had the grades for it. I had even had a high enough GPA and I had a um, really good, whatever you call that stupid test. They make you SAT test. SAT. Yeah. I had good scores. I could have gone to a good college, but I purposefully chose that it wasn't the path for me, partly because they pushed so hard to make me think that I had to do it or my life was going to be shit. You know, I remember one classroom in particular, this guy, it was like one of those gym teacher classes where you have to take it. It was like economics, right? You know, and the teacher doesn't really give a crap about the class either. You could tell by the way he teaches it. He just, you know, we just do all the bullet points as long as you fill out the four answers that night. That's your homework. It's just really kind of, you know, basic, dumb indoctrination. And he had this big poster on the wall and it said justification for education. And it had a picture of this huge mansion with like a three car garage and a view over the ocean. And I just thought to myself, like, if that's really what you guys are selling here, I don't want it. You know, I I think that a lot matters more than material things. I think you guys are lost in in materialism. And so it made me like reject, you know, 
the whole thing. And in a way, it's been hard because I never liked money. You know, I've never been particularly good at money. And that that kind of has worked to my detriment in some ways because I just didn't want to be like that. You know, I was like, right. that's where you want people to be. That's not me. You know, I don't want to do that crap. Yeah. And they definitely that's what they the whole world's built around that now. Right. Like that's what they want people thinking about. They want people just so selfish and just worrying about money and what they own. And it's all possessions, possessions. And to me, I was my, like, oh, my safety. Yeah. Safety. My medical safety now, too. Yep. Yep. And that was what drove me crazy, too, is I didn't I never took value in that. Like, I just I didn't have to have all this stuff. And, and uh, you know, the like you said, the big house with the three car garage and all of that to me, that never had any value to me. I always valued um knowledge to be honest i that's what i was and you know connecting with nature was a big thing with me i i love being out in nature and stuff like that so i never and it's true that's how the world is now they they're trying to kill spirituality and keep people away from that and just constantly consume consume and get the newest phone get the newest everything computer the newest game and stuff like that steering of people away from starting to look in doing their their shadow work and and seeing what the world you know how the world really is so i i totally get what you're saying with that one cool thing though was about um being in the church was a church camp i remember i loved church camp because oh, i never went to that okay so i, I gotta hear we, about this i yeah, never went to that <laughs> we had a pretty fantastic church camp i had some really good church camp experiences we went up in the woods when we had this place it was like the peaceful pines and We'd have a fire, you know, we'd all sit around on these logs cut out into benches and sing songs. We'd go on hikes together, you know, and go to the mess hall. And the mess hall was super fun. Like, you never, I never enjoyed doing dishes until I was at church camp, you know. It was like 10 of us, you know, standing around these big giant um, stainless steel sinks, you know, industrial sinks and singing songs and laughing, throwing soap on each other and, you know, it'd be our turn to clean the bathrooms the next day and we'd be in there playing soap hockey and we'd clean the bathroom too. You know, like you enjoyed your responsibilities when you were at camp and you were outdoors and nature. I saw a bear, you know, it was right just on. like yeah. and we'd play capture the flag with flashlights, you know, like the whole experience to me, like kind of taught me like this is what we should be doing with our children in our time is like outdoor group activities that teach exactly. responsibility and respect for nature. And so there's where I started first feeling what I what I now think of as God is, you know, the understanding of how everything's connected, you know. And and so I remember coming back from the Peaceful Pines to, to where I lived in East San Jose in a bad neighborhood in my um, HUD apartment, you know, yep. and coming back there and just feeling so trapped. And so stuck and just like, why the hell do we live in this crap hole? You yep. know, why why do people live here when there's peaceful pines out there? You know, this is crazy. Why are people mm -hmm. living like this? And and I've felt that way ever since. And I've fought to try to get out of cities and, and live away. But the honest truth, it's really difficult. The further you get away from the city, the lower the pay is on jobs. Yep. And um, unless you're embedded and you have what I call generational power, it's really hard to find somewhere to set your set your roots down. You know, it takes For it takes sure. time. It takes a couple generations to set roots down. It's yeah. not something you can just 
do in five or ten years. And, and they don't and they don't encourage that in today's society either. Like it's opposite of, of that. They don't they, they want to keep us fragmented for sure. hundred percent. Oh, yeah. I mean, if not, I mean, if that's not a tactic being used for this whole um, 2020 pandemic. Yeah, we got to get into that in the second hour. We're going to get I hard mean, on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I shouldn't jump the gun, but I no, mean, no, talk by about, all means. Talk about fractionalizing and compartmentalizing not only the minds of human beings, but physically bodies. We were, we've already been doing it to ourselves in a lot of ways but with yep. the cars and the box houses and the cubicles and the square buildings. It's just like nothing in nature is a square, right? Yep. Nothing in nature is a square. It's all circular, round, beautiful, flowing designs, drops, droplets, leaves. And then yeah. we're stuck in like, like and we're over like... here building caskets, basically. <laughs> yeah. Caskets, right? We drive around in caskets. We we work in caskets. We look at these black screens. You know, we're letting it happen to ourselves. We're doing it to ourselves. You you know, we always say they, but it's actually us. You know. Yeah, we definitely it's... have to take responsibility too for for doing it to ourselves. I totally agree, and that's where I agree with the shadow work comes in. When I started doing shadow work on myself and looking in on and asking hard questions with myself. And I can tell people shadow work when you start doing it on yourself, it's not fun. It sucks to be honest. And it's, it's hard when you start questioning your beliefs and why you believe the things you do and these fears that you have. Um, it is, it's not fun. And it, and I tell people that, and I have a lot of people I've said in the past where I'll tell them that I do shadow work and they'll say, Oh, that's easy. Like you just sit in a room by yourself. You don't, you know, you just sit there and you, Ask yourself questions and you confront yourself. And I always tell them, if you think it's easy, try it because it's not easy to sit down by yourself, especially alone, no phone, no distractions, just by yourself. And I think a lot of people do never – that scares them more than anything, I think, Chris, is having to confront themselves. I think that's why a lot of people don't do the shadow work and they run the opposite direction when you even want to talk about it. They like I think people have this hidden trauma that and I, I agree that we all have some trauma. I don't think anyone's got through life uh, in childhood without some form of trauma. I mean, whether it, some is more serious than others, but we've all got it. And oh, like we were just you talking about, you, you, you got it coming it. from your religion. You got it coming from your school. I yep. mean, who escaped school? <laughs> what kid escaped school? I mean, school is a trauma factory. And what For people don't sure. realize is, it's not just by accident that it's that way it's it's actually by design you know the school system implemented here in this country came from the prussian education system 100%. created to perfect the perfect citizen for warfare really is what it comes from the roots even before that you had ancient war cities that were they would throw out babies that weren't suited for war you know yep. this one doesn't look right you know throw it off the cliff they really didn't care they they were trying to create the perfect warrior because that's what they, you know, were doing certain periods of time. You know, that's yep. And now they want the perfect workers is what they're creating that's now. That's what this system is. You think about it at school. How much more effective? Because I've been part of team teamwork, team challenge stuff. We'll get into that a little bit later. But okay, when you're in a circle, when you're standing in a circle, you all see each other's eyes and you can communicate, right? And mm-hmm. if the if the teacher or and better than teacher would be a facilitator, is in the middle. And kind of cruising around, you can. Um, how much more is possible in terms of communication and attention when everybody's in that position, as opposed to all being in a straight line? Why are they constantly making you get in straight lines in school? 
What well, what's the point of that? What does that do good for our soul or our mental, you know, to be able to stand in a line? Yeah. That seems like a dangerous way to stand in, in any case. Like if there's an emergency and you're all in a line, it's not really the best way to be, you know? Right. What would be better is if each individual kid or child was really good at spatial awareness and they knew how to move around quickly in a crowd and you had them all jumbled in a crowd and they were able to still self-organize that would be pretty cool because then they'd be able to handle an emergency situation why teach them get in lines what's the importance of that it's all about obedience training is what it is exactly i've been saying that for years that's what the school system is they just want to crank out good little workers that obey without questioning and follow their orders like good slaves and go and do your job uh come home you know and go to sleep you know after you eat dinner maybe watch a bit of tv and program you some more with the tv and then get up and rinse and repeat and then that's what they want they don't want people questioning and that's what we're doing here is we questioning and i think that's amazing i think a lot of people need to do that i think that and i think a lot of people that are listening you know they do definitely question i've talked to a lot of them and they do question and they are uh, oh, they've got to be to be here, you know, if you're listening, exactly. you're probably someone who's asking similar questions. You know, I think we like exercise. Yep. You know, it's brain exercise is kind of the same thing as physical exercise. If you don't ever do it, you know, if you don't really push your brain to think about things and try to know things and you're just easily satisfied with simple beliefs or taking on other people's conclusions and pretending they're your own because it's easier it's like copying the test off your neighbor you know you know my dad thought that so i'll just think that too if you just take the easy way out you don't ever do the exercise you don't gain the muscle so if you realize that you've been slacking and it's hard to think about things start working out start thinking about things start asking (laughs) the questions exactly and this is the there's the music guys so we are having a five minute break we are here with chris jansen covering a lot of great topics guys so we'll be back in five minutes listen to revolution radio at freedomslips.com we'll be right back after this message junkie I won't say a goddamn word why they won't understand they won't understand why we do it they won't understand it's about the men next to you and that's it that's all it is revolution radio freedomslips.com Number one listener supporter radio. The printing press for freedom at a time when freedom is needed the most.
I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. I will defend myself against their tyranny. Number three is my radio broadcast. I'm squarely in front of the public all the time, and they all know what's going on. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on for expanding its sphere of influence. Hello, my name is John Wayne, and I do a broadcast here at freedomslips.com, revolution.radio, called The Unequivocal Truth, DEFCON 1. Freedom and fear are at war. And folks, I assure you, we are in Defense Condition 1, Mission 1, as we journey perilously through this paradigm that we currently reside in. And I ask that you join me every Saturday. 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Unequivocal Truth, DEFCON 1. The original machine had a base plate of prefamulated amulite surmounted by a malleable logarithmic casing in such a way that the two spurving bearings were in a direct line with a panometric fan. The lineup consisted simply of six hydrocopic marzal veins, so fitted to the ambifacient lunar wane shaft that side fumbling was effectively prevented. The main winding was of the normal lotus o deltoid type placed in panendermic semi-boloid slots of the stator, every seventh conductor being connected by a non-reversible tremi pipe to the differential girdle spring on the up end of the gram meters. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, taking the confusion out of transmutated lunar girdle springs for four years and running. Revolution Radio, the number one listener-supported alternative media radio on the planet. All right, thanks for listening while we took that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Well, welcome back, everybody. I hope you guys had a great little break there and got yourself a coffee, did some stretching. And we are back here. Once again, we have Chris Jansen with us, and you can definitely find him on his YouTube channel under the same name, Chris Jansen. Lots of great uh, information on his YouTube channel. I definitely recommend you guys go and check it out. Uh, Great topics are discussed. Uh, You can also check out his presentation, which you can find on Funnel, which is Freedom Under Natural Law. And at the end of this, in the chat room, guys, I'm going to leave links to all of this at the end of the interview so you guys can check out all of these, uh, what we're talking about here in the links. And you can also check out Chris's website, which is endevil.life. And great stuff going on there, too. A lot of great conversations in that. So definitely check it out. And I want to welcome you back, Chris, uh, for the second hour. 
Thank you very much. Yeah, the first hour flew by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, having, uh, having a hard time stop talking. I could hear the music coming in. I was like, oh, man. Exactly, Ready? yeah. <laughs> I always tell people that, like, when you say it's two hours, a lot of them are like, wow, that's quite a long time to talk. And I'm like, it seems that way till you get into a good discussion, and then it just flies by. So, and the first hour definitely flew by, but we were covering a lot of great topics um, about, you know, just touching on our origins, like uh, where it was humanity kind of uh, messed with in our, in our past and kind of led to the way that humanity is now where we're very, uh, we have a lot of problems. I think humanity's got a lot of problems and I think slavery is the major one and our, the belief systems that we have and people not uh, doing their shadow work and starting to question things uh, that they believe and wonder, you know, question the, the beliefs they have and uh, a lot of the things in their life. And I, and as I said before the break, it's definitely not a fun thing to do, but to, in order for, for me to grow spiritually, I definitely had to do that work. And um, so we were kind of talking about that and then about the indoctrination in schooling is kind of where we left off. And so great topics that we're covering. And now we were kind of talking about, Chris, about uh, how, you know, they're kind of trying to with the way that we live, with our the housing that we have and keeping us busy with our jobs. And then, you know, all these stupid distractions with like games and movies and uh, TV and all of this stuff, keeping people from doing anything like they do not want people looking into these topics and questioning things. And I found that this and a lot of things came clear with me big time with this whole pandemic that started a few years ago. And I just I really want to touch on that with you, because I think that actually opened up a lot of people's eyes. Not, you know, some I mean, there's still some that I think are still never going to see what's actually going on. And we can talk about that. But what was your thoughts uh, when this all started going on a few years ago? Well, you know, for me, I have to take it back to September 11th. Because sure. for me, that was really closer to what made me start asking those big questions. You know, when, okay. when the day when I saw the footage on the TV of September 11th, I remember calling my buddy right away and being like, dude, did you see that? And we're talking about it. And I'm like, that has to be like some kind of planned thing or inside job or something. There's no way, you know, like right away, that was my point of view on it. And I was sure of it. Yep. It did. I uh, well, then you know, like ten years went by. You know, I had kids, I had life, all this stuff happened in my life before I really started digging in and doing the research on the internet. And that was about the time when, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013 in there was when, you know, for me the big turning point was. So by the time this thing comes around, what's interesting is the timing um, when COVID kind of hit. We, you know, like a wave. I remember um, hearing from my friends in the Bay Area that, you know, things were getting shut down and there were quarantine orders in place and this type of thing. And they didn't have a job. A friend of mine got laid off, you know, a couple months into it. And, um, you know, where I was at, I was kind of in a weird way protected because I was doing construction work and my boss is kind of a doesn't really like the government anyway. <laughs> and so we were just kind of ignoring stuff at first, you know, and um, no, like right when it hit, I was like right away, super skeptical because, because of the way things were being rolled out and because of the things were being said, I was hearing keywords and I'm really suspicious of keywords. Cause I understand that there's like um, giant entities, um, corporation type 
uh, Rand Corporation. I can't think of the names of some of these um, vehicles that exist to control the minds of the population that right. that create their propaganda machines that are created by big interests with a lot of money. They have um, giant, you know, facilities that basically funnel these kids right out of college and and put them in these offices with these cubicles and get them all typing and working and doing research on, you know, the type of information that creates these these words that come out like the new normal. You know, the first time I started hearing the the new speak, I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. I was already suspicious, you know, right. even though I didn't. So, I, of course, I started getting back onto listening more podcasts and cross-referencing people I had looked looked at in the freedom movement in the past and hearing what they were saying on the subject. And right away, I found myself to be one of the most extreme of of other people in terms of my viewpoint on it. And I realized that, like, I, th- I thought it was an operation from the beginning. It seemed like a massive amount of money being put into propaganda. And how people don't notice that, it just blew my mind because it was like immediately – there was red headlines on every website that you went to. There was, you know, signs going up in every town. It was like, well, who's funding all this? Where's all this exactly. money? Exactly. And not only is it just going on here, but it's going on all over the world at the same time with the same keywords and the same phrases, the mm-hmm. same newspeak, you know, it's so blatantly obvious that there was a problem here, you know, but, but what was cool is right about the timing of that was when I was making my first presentations that, you know, I was sharing with people in the community of people that studied Mark Passio's work. All of a sudden, I had this realization because I felt like I'd failed my first time around podcasting back, you know, when I said when I first started, it was about 9-11. And then it was about geoengineering and weather engineering and chemtrails. I was trying to get people to talk about those subjects. And Very so important. I started podcasting about it and bringing these subjects up in my own way with my music and stuff. And you know, it was I fought and fought and did a lot of hard work and got, you know, some really cool listeners. I'll give I'll, I'll have to admit I did meet some really cool people through it, but it was so small, you know, and I felt like I failed. You know, I wasn't reaching people the way I wanted to. I wasn't getting it out there, you know, right. I'd be lucky if I could get 20 views on, you know, a, a, a podcast. And so I felt like I failed for a long time. And then I, when I got back in it, I was like, OK, I'm going to try this again. This time I'm going to be even more hardcore about it, and I don't care who listens. I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it because it needs to be done. I took that attitude, and I had made my first couple presentations. I did a six-part series, um, you know, to try to lay out the whole thing for someone from the beginner, from the beginning, you know, kind of like Mark Passio did in this sort of progressive way. But I tried to do it in six videos, and I, I still have it on my website. It's like my End Evil series, you know, video series. But yeah, amazing. The first one when I was publishing it and I I decided all of a sudden I had this revelation like, oh, I should go on like social media like Facebook and look for other people that 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 watch Mark Passio's work and share what I'm doing with them. That'd be a good way to start meeting a few people, you know. So I did that. And that was um, just like a big breakthrough. I did start meeting people. I did a couple live videos. I introduced myself. I said I was looking for other people who are interested in women. And I started meeting people, and I even met people that didn't live that far away from me. And we formed a bond. We formed a connection, and we've been meeting every Sunday since. And then, that's amazing. you know, that's how the Funnel Conference came about, from those people and from, 
you know, me sharing those videos. And that all started right when this whole COVID thing started. So in a way, with all the horror of what they've done to the world with this, the biggest hoax of mankind, um, they also galvanized people like us to form a group and community. And we're not going to be easily stopped. Exactly. 100%. And that, and that was the thing that I remember when this, all the pandemic first started too. I was skeptical right from the start. I do, I do remember that. And I, I was questioning right from the start. And to me, it was like, if you would have told me like four years ago that the, the elite could shut down the world with a scary story that quickly, I would have never believed it. I would have said no. Like, and then, and that's what I was saying at the first hour is that with this, um, this pandemic, I saw humanity where we were at is a good way to put it. I saw where consciousness was at. I saw where people, like how easily people believed without question. Uh, it was, it was a big eye opener to me. I, and that's when I realized that I've got to get involved and start speaking about the great work too and trying to educate people and waking people up because after I saw how quickly they shut the world down and how scared people were hiding in their houses, which I never did. I, I was, I never, my, I did not change what I do in my life according to the, this, this pandemic. I just didn't. And, but I saw everybody around me like hiding in their houses and that. And that's when I realized how bad the brainwashing has gone on in, in the world. I was just like, wow, we have like, that's when I realized that I got to get involved. There's a lot of work to do. And I'm sure you probably felt the same way. Definitely. When you started seeing the reaction of people as the news kept pumping out this fear constantly 24 seven and they're still doing it. Yeah. Well, I, I actually like kind of plunged into, into research mode. In the beginning, because I realized, like, I don't really know a whole lot about viruses, really, you know. And I remember I was at work on this job site, and I was listening to Crow Triple Seven interview. He's great. (laughs) Yeah, and it was people questioning whether even a virus is real, you know. And I got these books, and I started looking into that topic, and I got this other um, blanking out on the one, um, but I remember Virus Mania was one I listened to. So I had already like kind of gone down these other roads of thinking about it. And I was already entertaining completely different theories on whether any of this is legitimate to begin with, because I've always kind of questioned the way people look at flus and colds. I've never been into the idea of vaccines, not because I had a bad experience or knew someone that was damaged by them necessarily, but just because I was suspicious a little bit, but more so just because I didn't see the point. You know, like health wise, I thought it was normal for people to get sick. It's part of part of being alive. You know, you sometimes you might get a little sick, but it makes you stronger if you tough your way through it. Right. From the perspective I was at when I'd be a, when, you know, people whether it be a seasonal cold or flu, I would usually not get as bad as other people. And when people seem like people that went and got a shot. It seemed like they got sick after a lot of times, you know, so just from my own little personal life, it just kind of didn't make sense. I didn't have real strong feelings about it. I was just like, you know, not into it. But, you know, now that I understand kind of like how the world works a little better, I feel like how organized it is towards the path of evil and that, you know, psychopaths have been filtered to the top of the pyramid sort of in a purposeful you know, way based on the way we organize ourselves, it, it's just going to be like that. You know, now it makes sense why it, why it's that way. Mm-hmm. And were you shocked though how how quick people bought this lie? I was, I really was. I was like, there's no yeah, way they're going to sell mean, this. And, like, they, like and I, 
it was too easy for them. I think that they kind of tested it. This is kind of my belief that they kind of the elite that run in the world. The, I call them the dark. Uh, uh, I call them the uh, master psychologist, evil master psychologist that know humanity better than we know ourselves, and they know what makes us tick. And that's what we're up against is this evil, these evil master psychologists. That's the only thing I can call them because there's they they know how humanity is, and I think that they kind of tested it at the beginning to see what people's reaction would be. And then I think when they saw how easily people just bought the story, ran into their house and were hiding in fear, they were kind of just kept pushing forward, right? Like, like why would down. they? <laughs> yeah, like why would they pull back yeah, if they we, we just fell over? We didn't even put up a fight. Like it was just like, wow, like no like I mean some people were questioning, like me and you and a lot of people I was talking to were questioning things, but majority, I would say most, uh went right along with it like no question and i was just like wow we are in trouble i i mean i feel like i wasn't as brave and as outspoken as i should have been i should, should have been, been yeah i should have been even a lot more um aggressive and outspoken however you know like immediately i was like masks i'm not wearing no damn mask you know that's a direct <laughs> you know that's a direct you know body physical um imprisonment you know to try to make somebody do that like right away i was totally um and and i have kind of a unique story on that too because like being in construction always being around dust you know i've been in a lot of situations where you should be wearing a dust mask and for many years most people in construction that don't have to don't wear a mask to tell you the truth right you know and but i mean i got to the point where i was having these like allergy kind of asthma issues where I would get all this phlegm and snot to the point where it was really hard to breathe every night. And I was having to use an inhaler like regularly and I was really upset about it. You know, I didn't like being stuck on this medicine. I was having to feel like I had to start taking allergy medicine all of a sudden. I tried every solution I could come up with. Nothing seemed to be working. In the end, I got real into Wim Hof breathing, the Iceman. I don't know if you've heard of Wim Hof. Yes, I have. Yes. But I started practicing his breathing technique which was extremely difficult in the beginning, especially when I was full of phlegm. I would get like anxiety attacks, you know, and I would panic. But I toughed it out through it little by little. I kept practicing it every morning, every night. And I don't have allergy problems like that anymore, to tell you the truth. I haven't at all. And I've been in situations where I'm breathing in way more dust. And, you know, back in those days, I was so paranoid about getting cedar or redwood dust when I was having those problems. I would wear two masks. I would wear a bandana and one of those, you know. Really? Wow. And it, and I hated it. As soon as I would get away from the saw, I would tear it off because I would feel suffocated. And it really yeah. made me feel anxious. I didn't like being covered up. And, like, it it would cover up your if you're wearing safety glasses, you know, it would fog them up immediately. And then you can't see good, which I would realize, like, that's even more dangerous. I'm playing with saws <laughs> and sure, stuff. Yeah. And now I can't see. <laughs> you know, it was it was a really frustrating process. So when I was able to... Just throw those stupid masks away. They never worked anyway, was the thing. That was the like the big lesson in the whole thing. Even with two dust masks on, if I was around cedar or redwood dust, I would have the reaction. The the masks helped a little maybe, but they didn't work. Right. You know? They didn't work for the dust. And then so when they're starting to come out with this virus stuff, I'm like, dust masks aren't for viruses. Viruses are minuscule, right? And I started doing some research, you know, like you learn about bacteria and how they even came up with this whole idea of viruses. They they knew there was something smaller than the bacteria that they couldn't see. Yep. And so they just started saying, oh, that's a virus. Well, 
I mean, it's all based on a theory to begin with, but it, even how you look at it, even if it is a real thing, it's super, super small, you know, compared to a grain of dust. Right. Exactly. You know, that was, then, that was a mind blowing to me when I started, when this all started, I started like you doing the research and digging into viruses and origins of it and all of that. And that's a, that's a, an eye opener when you start looking into it. Yeah. And so, I've, I've told people too, like you see, everybody's seen that Corona, the virus, the, the picture, the big scary picture of the ball with all the red spikes in it. That's the coronavirus, and everybody's seen it. I mean, you'd have to be living on the moon not to see it. And that was the picture that they were showing everybody. And then I try to tell people that that's a graphic picture. Just, yeah, it's just a graphic picture. That's not. They don't know if that look what it looks like. And then people get mad when you tell them that. You know, like no, that's what it looks like. And I'm like, oh, you know, okay, <laughs> but it's just a picture. It's a graphic picture. It's not the real thing. And yeah, that's a whole different topic when we start when you start looking at viruses and the yeah, origins um, and what wow. really makes us ill was the book I was trying to think of. Okay, you know, great book. The work of um, Andrew Kaufman, MD, looking at the work of Thomas Cowan. You know, there's a lot of doctors that have spoke up at this. There's no actually such thing as an isolated virus. There never has been. You know, they don't. Yep. They can't isolate this thing and show us it. You know, and mm -hmm. you know they make so many good obvious points. But you know, like for me the Early on, what you were actually asking about, I was shocked. Like, even though I knew a lot of stuff, I, I didn't know to what extent people were um, in the state of mind that they are. And yeah, to me, the masks is what really brought that to a head for me. I was so shocked by it, you know, because honestly, like, I'm kind of like a people pleaser in a lot of ways. That's how I developed from my childhood, from having a dad who used to lose his anger, temper all the time and yell everywhere. Like I wanted to never always get along with people. So I've always been a kind of mediator, kind of easygoing personality. When I'm in public, I like to get along with people. You know, I tend to smile and joke with the person at the counter, try to make them feel less, you know, more comfortable. It's just right. how I am. I, I'm yeah. a really nice guy to be, to, to be totally honest. I'm really sometimes too fucking nice. But <laughs> when this thing started hitting, and where I lived at the time in the North Bay, so now we're north of um, San Francisco, um, they were mask freaks everywhere. Like they started making it to where there was a guard in front of the store and they'd put, you know, like some young kid up there or somebody trying to spray some weird toxic chemical on your hands, or you know, and demanding that you wear a mask. And I'm getting angry, like I'm having a hard time holding my temper in. I'm driving around listening to Rage Against the Machine, looking at all these people in the mask. I'm like, that's a, that's a sign of slavery. You guys are you guys are falling for exactly what they're trying to trap you. They're they're making you subservient. They're mentally enslaving you with a symbolistic um a joke right on your face mm -hmm. that doesn't do what you think it does and never was intended to do it. Even on the box it says it doesn't it's not made for viruses. It's made for dust. That's why it's called yep. a dust mask. That's not how the surgeons or why the surgeons use it. And that's a totally different scenario in a ventilated area, you know. And when you look into the science, there's no valid reasoning to back up this mask wearing thing. If masks prevented diseases, why didn't we wear them all through history and prevent every disease? We wouldn't have any if that exactly. was that easy to do. And then you start looking at the way people are handling things. There's just a billion. I, I made a video like really early on, 15 reasons to refuse to wear a mask. I was angry. How, was how like, did that go over on YouTube? I know you told me, but let the people on the, that are listening know how that video went over. That was my first strike and my <laughs> second strike because I tried to put it up again in a different form. 
And, you know, it was like I only had like, you know, 50 followers or something. And it, it only had 10 views and it was taken off within hours. Wow. You know, just removed with the excuse didn't even make sense that they gave me. You know, the excuse made no sense. The video was just an opinion piece. It was just me saying, here's 15 reasons, sensible reasons, reasons like um, robbers wear masks. That was one of the headings. OK, all through history, if someone comes in a store wearing a mask, everybody knows who the robber is. He's the guy with the mask, you know, yeah. and it would it would signal everybody watch out, you know, and we would know now you wouldn't know. What if someone grabs a purse and runs away? Everybody's wearing a mask. You can get his face, you know, like That's basic true. things like that. I was pointing out. I was like, OK, when I was a kid, they would tell you never keep an open bucket of water or a plastic bag if there's children or infants playing around because the children could drown in a bucket of water mm -hmm. and a bag, a plastic bag they could put over their head and they're like playing, you know. Mm -hmm. And now what we're doing is everybody, adults, is putting stuff on their face over their nose and mouth. What about little kids who don't understand words yet? And they see that happening. They're going to copy that and emulate that. The parents can't watch them every second. And they're putting things on their face now. They could yeah. suffocate themselves. And who knows you know, the that's trauma? That's like a really basic, simple thing that people should have thought about. Yep. You know, and I bet it's happened. And I hate to foretell something so terrible. But how about all the people stuck at home from being quarantined? And now they're wearing masks and feeling like looking down at the ground because they feel bad about themselves because they're psychologically damaged because they can't see anybody's smiles. And That's they don't understand that yep. smiles are actually part of our survival mechanism. It's not just a game. Smiles are very important. It's electricity that we live on. It's mm -hmm. called life. You know, they're trying to shut down life itself. And they don't realize how crucial these things are. Expressions are part of how we relate to one another and communicate. If you block our communication, our ability to communicate and relate with one another, we become aliens to one another and we're hostile exactly. to one another. It's a giant experiment like we're rats and these people are just falling for it. And I was fucking yep. pissed off. Oh, I, mean, I don't. Sorry, yeah, I don't. Much, but. Yeah, I, that's OK. I, I Yeah, just watch the F word. You can tell there's, about that. you know, then, no, that's fine. I mean, it's a passionate topic. And I was mad at the time and I really I, I'm still mad. A hard I'm time, still mad. you know, keeping my emotions in check. Me too. That period of time. Yeah. And I and I and I know exactly what you're saying. And I've been saying that for the last couple of years. What is the psychological damage that is going on to the young children and that that are having to wear these masks and see people not just wearing them? But seeing everybody in there, like around them wearing them, there's got to be some cycle. There is going to be psychological damage, no matter how you want to look at it. And and you were saying that that the mask is what really made you see how far we had to like how bad humanity was. And I for me, it was the mask. Definitely. But before that, if you remember, I don't know if it was in your area, but where I lived, there was that great big toilet paper scare where everybody was scared that there was going to be no toilet paper. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. 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 I was. Well, in my town, I didn't believe it. I said, there's no way. And maybe I, uh, and I was like, because I live in Canada and I was like, there's no way that people in my neighborhood are going to fall for this. Like, I got to go and sit in a parking lot at Walmart and see if people are actually stocking up on toilet paper. So I called the great toilet paper scare. And I went with my friend, we parked and we just started watching and people were coming out with shopping carts full of toilet paper. And I was like, Oh my God, like we're in trouble. Like they're like, it was, that's what made me open my eyes like at first. And then the mask really opened my eyes to realize how far people are brainwashed by the media and social media and what people are telling them to, to believe. And I just can't imagine the damage, Chris, that's going to happen. Like, from people being quarantined and locked in their houses 
and all of that. It, we haven't even begun to see the damage that's going to happen down down the road. Yeah, and then poor kids, man. That's the worst part of the whole thing. You know, it's just it's heartbreaking to see mm-hmm. people doing this to children. And, you know, talk about those keywords, the psychological mind control terms, virtue signaling, you know, oh, just sure. about Huge. blew my face up. I'm like, first of all, it's not a virtue to be a coward. And what you're doing is teaching cowardice. You're mm-hmm. saying that we're afraid of our own health. You know, we're afraid that we're not healthy enough to withstand a sickness, you know. And because of that, we're going to take a, this ridiculous precaution that might actually inhibit our health in different ways or our growth. Right. I mean, another way is dating. How are we going to have a future humanity if people can't meet and kiss and smile and see each other's faces? I mean, it's that's true. Like pretty basic when you think about it, like one plus one equals two kind of thinking. If boys and girls can't meet and do it, you know, part of that. Yeah connection is seeing each other's face and having your first kiss and you know how are you going to do that when you're six feet apart you know i mean i guess that's what they were doing yep for for everybody else they're okay with this kind of stuff because they think it's just temporary but i'm like if you let this happen it's going to be permanent exactly that's what i've been saying i mean it does give me some hope that there's some changes happening but i wonder really how much it is because of people fighting back and how much it is maybe just another ploy to suck us in a little deeper. I don't know. It could be. And I was telling you that before we got on air that the mask mandates here in Canada were finally lifted. And so I wanted to go out in public and just see if people like everybody, nobody was wearing masks. Were people still wearing masks? Where was it at? And as I told you before, we, like I said, before we came on the air, that about 50% were not wearing masks and 50% were. And I know in some, uh, in some of the areas, uh, in my town and that, that people are really upset that these mask mandates were lifted. Like they're, they are mad that the government did this, that they lifted it and they think that masks should be permanent that everybody should be wearing masks for, I guess forever. I mean, I get that they're happy with this. And, uh, so they're really, there is some people still fighting to have the mask mandates in place. And so, like I said, I mean, I'm not sure about your area, like how the mask situation is, but at least here it got lifted and it's about 50, 50 right now. Who's wearing them and who's not. Well, you know, I was so against it that the area I lived in before just became unacceptable to me. You know, I, I was just like uncomfortable all the time. So I moved, I moved away. And what I noticed is, when you get out of the major cities, the further you get out of the major cities and the more you get into the country, at least here in California, mm-hmm. the more people kind of have an individual rights kind of mindset okay, or, or to some extent, you know, there, it, there's a lot more respect for you could do it your way and I'll do it my way. People are all right with that, you know. And so when I first moved from North Bay to um, Sacramento area, which is actually our capital, Amazingly enough, it was better there. You know, it was a lot less masky. There were, I remember going, finding a gym, a yoga gym where people were hugging and nobody was wearing masks and they were like trying purposefully to get close to one another. You know, it was like <laughs> in certain restaurants that just didn't care, you know, at all. And the, the place I regularly shopped was fine, even though a lot of times I was the only one not wearing a mask. No one ever said anything to me. I had a lot of that situation in that area. It's kind of on the outskirts of Sacramento, which is a big city, but I was kind of in the suburban kind of outreaches, you know. And then I moved from there even further north near Mount Shasta. And up here it was like 
I didn't have any problems anywhere. And it's kind of like you're saying, it's been a lot of times kind of 50-50, some a little more one way, but a lot of times you go to the bar or something downtown or a restaurant and nobody's wearing a mask in a lot of these places, you know? It's been that way for quite some time, not just now. And now okay. that things have changed, a strange thing is up here, you actually see more masks than you used to. It's almost like it's grown a little bit, like more people wearing them. Wow. But as a rule, in this area I live now, you know, you can go anywhere and do anything and no one's going to give you a hard time. And more likely than not, people aren't wearing them. And then the closer you get down into the bigger cities, the more you see it, you know. Yeah. But where where I left, the North Bay, it's it's definitely lightened up a lot. I was able to right. do yeah, some I, things down there, which was cool. Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm hoping that my town, too, will start. I'll see less and less of them. I, I, I think I'm going to still eventually – there's definitely going to be people that are going to still wear them. I, I have no delusions that people are just going to stop wearing them. And then I know that I even – like, the vaccine was a whole different uh, – problem in my area too because we had the va- the vaccine mandates where you couldn't go into restaurants like you couldn't do anything if you weren't vaccinated and i never got vaccinated so i mean i was pretty much couldn't go anywhere uh they lifted that finally in except for i think maybe airplane travel and stuff but at least now i can go into a restaurant or i can go to a movie theater or something like that they've kind of lifted that and that was a really tough battle because so I you actually it. had to show a document like at oh the yeah door? Yeah, hundred percent. Wanted to look at it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. If I want to go to a restaurant, well, wow. for me, it's even worse because I tried to go to get a haircut, and where I always go, and as soon as I walked in, they wanted to see my vaccine passport, and I didn't. I said I'm not vaccinated, and they showed me the door. They were like, "Well, wow. then we can't. You can't come in here." So they lifted that. Where Are I, you like going to still do business with those people? No. <laughs> no. I mean, what a stupid decision on all these people's part. I mean, yep. they've made permanent enemies in some cases. I can think of stores and places I used to go a lot that I'll never go back to. Exactly. And I know, and then, and out of all the people that I know, there was only me and two other people that didn't get the vaccine. Like, we're kind of like a group of friends that we didn't get it. And we've been fine health wise. And then all the people around me that have got the vaccine have all got it COVID again. They've all gotten sick. Their health is, like some of the people I know, their health is really messed up now um, since they got it. And I was, uh, I'm was, i so thankful I didn't get it. I was just like, wow. And I, I, I was pressured by a lot of people, even in my own family. They were trying to, you got to go get it. You got to go get it. And I wouldn't do it. I'm like, I'm not getting it. I'm not, you're not going to convince me because I don't believe in it. And nobody's going to tell me what I'm going to do. So I, I've held out, and but I, a lot of people haven't, and I'm really scared to see, Chris, and I want to get your thoughts of the health problems that are going to be coming down, which are already starting to appear, and they're doing their best to cover, but they're coming. I, there's going to be a lot of problems, I think, with people that have gotten the vaccine, in my opinion. Well, I mean, we're all getting a lot of toxins and damage on our body on a daily basis from multiple sources, as it is. Yep. And this is just like, you know, the icing on the cake for, mm-hmm. you know, for these poor people, honestly, that are that are falling for it. You know, I mean, it, it may be that large percentage of what's being, you know, put into people is just a placebo, you know, mm-hmm. and that, you know, because if too many people died at once, you know, there is the risk of 
a lot of people coming to this realization that, uh oh, something's wrong here. Right. Right. So there is a delicate balance that's always being played by, you know, the powerful in this world and those who are making lots of money from these schemes. You know, they're they're walking a line. You know, how many people can we kill without still getting away with it? You know, and so I, I do think that, you know, it's very likely that what's been given to a lot of people probably isn't that harmful, maybe. But you don't know. And that's the scary part. And what has been given to people is likely harmful. We know that there's a lot of damage being done. Mm-hmm. You know, that's provable. Okay. But what I worry more about is the whole thing like autoimmune disease kind of things that don't show up for 10 or 15 or 20 exactly. years or yep. just sort of creep away at you or, you know, all of a sudden there's little things eating through your skin all over your body or, you know, any number of disgusting, nasty things. We have no idea what this kind of stuff is going to do. It's, it hasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't a lot of the times it wasn't properly tested and we're just trusting these, the most untrustworthy <laughs> exactly. people in the world. I mean, <laughs> talk about Pfizer's like the biggest malpractice suit ever done in history, you know, is from, is from the FDA to Pfizer, right? Mm-hmm. So our own corrupt agencies of government even don't like these guys, you know, they're worse than the government itself. The government's suing them because they're so <laughs> corrupt, you know, yep. lying, cheating, changing the names of things, trying to resell stuff that's already killed a bunch of people still in business, you know, yep. can't even be sued for some of the things they're making, you know, and this type of product they're making now, every government in the whole world is forced to buy it by mandate and mm-hmm. sell it. It's like the ultimate business plan. For the evil empire, you know, exactly working like a charm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it works. If, if you it only works. got half the people with it, you're still doing pretty good. And they exactly. got way, it seemed like to me like they got a lot more than that. Oh, you yeah. Know, a lot of people folded under the pressure and weren't willing to quit their job or change their career or change their life path because they were too chicken. Mm-hmm. You know, because they were out there wearing a mask every day, learning to be a coward, you know. Yeah. It's a sad state of affairs, and I, you know, I feel like I'm insulting people saying those things, and I guess I'm mean to, you know, I'm not a nice guy anymore because this stuff has gone way beyond logic. It's like people straight up saying the sky's green now, it's pink, and and they're all going to agree on that and just say that's the case now. Now now the sky's pink, right? Yeah. And if you don't agree that the sky's pink, then you can't come in my building and you can't work here. It's like I can prove your shit wrong in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I would tell people, you want to hear all 15 reasons why I don't want to wear a mask? Because I'd be happy to share those reasons with you, you know? Right. And I got more than 15, but 15 are like the basic common sense ones. After that, you know, they just get a little sillier. But there's a lot of reasons, you know? There's a lot of reasons why I'm not getting a vaccine. There's a lot of reasons why, you know, we're all getting poisoned, you know, like you mentioned, geoengineering. Yeah, and that's a big one. That's yeah. that's the one that broke me open when I had my matrix awakening experience when I and I didn't take it easy. I didn't just believe that there's a such thing as chemtrail. No, I got into studying. I researched it. I looked into books. I started looking at different um, weather stations. I started learning about how the clouds form. I started asking questions about, you know, what does relative humidity mean? Uh, how do we find out the relative humidity at different heights? I started looking into it for myself until I came to decisive realizations that couldn't be denied. And then I started trying to talk to people about it. And then I realized, wow, people 
don't have the capacity to talk about things like this. Exactly. You know, it's not that they can't; it's that they won't. That's the big thing: the willful ignorance. They will not look into it, and and that we're drowning in information. If people will look into it, uh, we've never had information like we do now at our fingertips, and people are still refusing to look into it and denying that it exists. And I mean, I was like you with the whole geoengineering too. When I started researching that, I was like, wow. And then I would sit outside in my yard, you know, in the afternoons and I would watch the planes go back and forth in grid patterns all day. <laughs> like, I mean, the sky I mean, I started up. taking pictures and like, for instance, I have footage that I took myself of two planes flying together on a blue sky day with scattered clouds. Right. And that were mostly all, now I understand what was what was all, you know, weather engineering. But I see two planes flying, both leaving a trail about the same distance from each other, you know, leaving parallel lines. And then one of them, the trail stops and cuts out for a while and then comes back on and they continue on. You know, it's like, OK, two planes flying right about the same altitude. And all of a sudden, one of them, it turns off and then turns back on. You know, it's like I filmed that. You know, right over my house. You know, it's yeah. like you, you can't unsee something like that. There's there's not a lot of explanations for something like that other than, you know, the canister ran out or, you know, <laughs> the machine stopped spraying for a little bit. It wasn't like he flew through a pocket of air that was different than the other pocket of air right next to it. That's ridiculous. You know, yeah. just, well, you know, they try to tell people that I've heard that explanation before, too. And I'm just like, wow. I mean, they. The way they try to explain that away, I'm just like, that's crazy. And, and we're deaf. And I, and what I was also thinking too, when we were talking about the whole, uh, pandemic and that, what was really surprising to me too is that while it was going on, while it's still going on, but I mean, at the early stages, nobody was ever talking. And I'm wondering if you noticed this too. Nobody was ever talking about just the importance of our health. Like, I mean, you never, you heard talking to people about the vaccine and you got to get this and that, but there was no, coverage on uh, how we have to take personal responsibility for our health and what we eat and getting enough sleep and all of that kind of stuff i never heard anyone talking about that yeah like how about it i thought exactly the same thing like the billboards it, it could have been a nice public health announcement mm -hmm. hey everybody make sure and wash your hands with soap you know um do extra exercise make yep. sure you're working on keeping your body in good shape you know and here was the weirdest thing I remember after they had shut down all the public beaches, I lived next to the coast during this period of time. And um, finally, they lifted the restrictions to the beaches, right? So we were going to go out there and we decided to look on the Internet to see what, you know, the government website had to say about the beaches. You know, of course, the red stripe across the top telling you all about COVID and what they were restricting and not restricting. You could play volleyball. You could do windsurfing. You know, they were saying you could do a lot of these things, but no sunbathing. And I was like, oh. why the hell would it say no sunbathing? You, know, you don't have to be next to anyone to sunbathe. Why would they say that? But it was very clear right across the website. No sunbathing. It's like that's the opposite of health. They don't want you to get sun. They don't want you to get vitamin D. Exactly. You know, and it was right there on the government website on all the beaches. No sunbathing. Yep. Well, that, that's what I thought, too, with all the restrictions is that we're doing what? everything that we shouldn't be doing. Like, we got to stay in the house. Don't get any fresh air. Don't go out in the sun. I'm like, this is everything. That, it was all reversed. That's how you know it's evil because they flipped everything and reversed. 
And if they wanted to help you, if they wanted to help you, what would they have done? Right. All this money putting into all these signs and restrictions could have been going into helping people get in better shape, making sure people eating healthy food. But you know what? What closed down was and hard to get into worse than anything was health food stores. They were some of the worst of all when it came to these restrictions. And, you know, it was easy to get fast food. Well, yeah, there's no problem there. Nobody's worried about fast food workers. Nobody was worried about them dying of COVID. And I never heard about Taco Bell and McDonald's and Burger King not being able to find workers because they were all dead of COVID. I don't remember that happening. I don't think it did. It didn't. Exactly. You know, yeah. like, but, but, you know, the worst kind of stuff was available. The big box stores were open first. You know, all the crappiest, most unhealthy stuff was available. And the, you know, what, what you should be eating wasn't being advertised or, you know, those kind of things make it so obvious that, you know, these politicians are not working in your favor, folks. You know, yeah. politics yeah. is theater. And they're just selling a, a bill of goods that's being forced down their throat. You know, some of them probably went into it with the best of intentions. And, you know, getting back to the human nature thing that we were talking about way in the beginning. Sure. It's yep. not human nature is not bad. I don't think so. I'm very much not into that way of thinking. I don't think people are basically evil. I've met people all over the place. Most people want to be good, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't think people are necessarily good either. People are just people, you know, and they have a choice. That's what freedom is. That's what this experience is all about, is us have the opportunity to choose. What else is it if it's not change and choice? That's what makes us human. That's what the gift of life and individual individuality is, is the ability to choose. Exactly. Yeah. And and a lot for a lot of people that I talk to, too, they'll say that the world is a, a slave planet and you know, by that, it's just designed that way. And I, and I always tell them like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think the world is a slave planet. I think that humanity is enslaving themselves on this planet 100% by their beliefs and their beliefs in religion and government and money. I should say organized religion and government and money and all of these things that are, that are religions. And, uh, I think that we're enslaving ourselves willingly, but I don't think the planet is a slave planet. Just out of just it is, you know, it was designed that way. We're the ones making it a slave planet. So I'd never agree with people when they say that we're on a slave planet. And that's just the way it is. I think folks that have that state of mind or feel themselves going that way. um, I would recommend if you're feeling yourself looking at things that way, you know, maybe it's time for some some like a, a trip, a good mushroom trip or something, you know. Right. You need to connect with nature. You need to get out somewhere in nature and spend some time with actual reality and your own inner self, you know, looking at it purely and and ask those questions and see what comes back. You know, don't take anybody's word from it. You know, get it from the source. You are the source. You know, each of us are the source. If we're not, then everything I'm saying is ridiculous and it doesn't mean anything, you know. Yeah. But inside of each of us is truth. Because we come from truth, because we are a piece of, of the ultimate truth. And that's yeah. what I describe as ultimate connection, you know, is the divine is is everything. It's the very nature of reality itself. It's it's the moment of opportunity of existence where we're experiencing right now, right now, right now, right now is is each moment 
it's the great all experiencing a new moment together. We're all, you know, but we're getting this cool individuated experience to, to make choices within that and make little alterations. And that's like, that's pretty valuable. That's pretty unique. You know, we need to be thankful for that and not look at it as like, oh, we're a bunch of evil entities that are destroying this planet or we're stuck in a hell prison. No, this mm-hmm. is an opportunity to bloom and to blossom. Exactly. Look at look at nature. Look at what it's doing. You know, that's what we're supposed to be learning from. Why do you think it's here? Why do you think we're here amongst nature? You know, it's the living Bible. You know, that mm-hmm. makes a lot more sense to me than believing words that someone wrote from a Bible. If I was the ultimate, like, designer and intelligence, and I created a whole race of beings, I would want that beings to have a roadmap. And why not just build it right in their very environment, in the clouds and the sky and the trees and the air, you know? There the lessons are built right into the reality of the structure of life. That makes a lot of sense. It does, and I agree. And you know it's a powerful when you look into it and how do you know it's powerful? Well, what are the, what are these dark psychologists running the world? These evil entity people running the world, trying to keep us away from by all these mandates, by everything, like not just the mandates, but it's a good example because it's happening now and locking people in their houses and stuff like that. Trying to keep people socially distanced apart. They're trying to keep people from connecting to nature and uh looking into these topics and they definitely don't want people talking and sharing these ideas hence why they're you know censoring videos and free speech and all of that that's what i think the elite that are running this world fear the most is our voice and our ability to meet like-minded people and start spreading the good work i think that that's what how we're going to beat them and that's what they fear so you just look what they're trying to what they're trying to stop they're trying to cover our mouth Stop us from talking by censoring us, keeping us in our house, six feet apart, don't get around in groups. I mean, it's all in front of you. That That's how you know how powerful nature is and people coming together. Yeah, and that, you know, that's really the solution. And that's I really agree. the way out. I think part part of the thing that holds back a lot of folks from, you know, really admitting how bad the problem is right now is because once you admit that, then you have the responsibility, you know, to where like you have to start thinking at least, mm-hmm. okay, if this problem's real, what could we do about it? What would we do about it? And those are hard questions to ask when it seems overwhelming. I think, yeah. I think that people kind of instinctually know what it means to go down these paths of thought. And then they're kind of like, eh, there's no point of going down that because there's nothing we could do anyway. Right. Right. You know, that's the simple, easy way to kind of close the book. It's, um, you know, it's an excuse ultimately. But, you know, I think I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, I think I, I, I'm agreeing with what you say. Definitely. And I was going to say the importance of I think a lot of people uh, don't think that there's any value in doing the shadow work. And I know in my experience that I had to start asking myself a lot of serious questions. And I think people don't want to do that. They fear that. And how I just think that it kind of wraps up our whole conversation that we have to start looking at our beliefs, where they come from and our fears. And you do that by doing the shadow work. I I know it was super. It was the most important for me. It was what laid the foundation uh, for me starting to look into this. So I think that that's what, how we've gotten to where we are is a lot of people don't want to do that work. And it is work. And uh, to me, it's very important work. But. What I want to just because I know that we're just keeping a track on the time here, Chris, because I want to give you the last few minutes to talk. Let everybody know 
about uh, Funnel, which is Freedom Under Natural Law, and just let everybody know uh, about that and anything you want to say about it, your channel, uh, anything like that. Like, let everybody know about yourself, where they can find you, the work you're doing. The floor is yours. Cool, man. Thanks so much, Rick. Really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, I was just going what, I guess what I was going, what you were saying is, you know, ultimately it comes back to each of us and yep. what choices we can make. You know, there are choices we can make and exactly. we can make a difference if we work together. Alone, we're all kind of all screwed, you know, but mm -hmm. if we work together, we do, we can do powerful things. Teamwork is actually really amazing and networking's like the key to this whole thing, networking and working together, cooperating. Right. You know, I think that's what we're supposed to be learning from this personally. And I've seen teamwork actually work out. You know, I did some teamwork stuff over the years and it can work, you know. So, yeah, like reach out, you know, speak out, find other people that are thinking these things, too. You can um, check out my work at andevil.life. That's where I put my podcasts. You can also find me on the onegreatworknetwork.com. That's Mark Passio's creation. Um, there's a lot of cool content creators there. I recommend check out the onegreatworknetwork.com. And um, the Funnel Conference was a success. Um, all the videos are on freedomundernaturallaw.com. That was myself and my friends, the Natural Freedom Alliance, people um, that just got to uh, got together, just purposefully got together online and created a group, and then we made a free conference. So you could check that out. All our presentations are there. And... Um, yeah, we're going to do a funnel too. Oh, um, really? That, I'm excited because we're, uh, we're already talking about it. It's going to be in the fall, looks like. Oh, amazing! I'll be looking forward to that because uh, I really enjoyed. Uh, I'm so glad that I found that uh, that Leslie uh, let me know about the funnel network, and I went and started watching all the uh, the presentations, and they were amazing on all very important topics. And I definitely recommend too going to the one great network. One Great Work Network. Uh, one Great Work Network. Sorry, I always get that messed up. Yeah, it's, hard to say. it's a little hard to say. It is, yeah. And then uh, I also I, – I've always recommended Mark Passio's uh, website too, and I always suggest that people start listening to his podcast. What on Earth episode, is Happening .com. Yeah, what on, what on is happening com. And definitely if you're going to start listening to his work, you have to listen from episode one. Super important. Uh, I tell everybody that. I've listened to – I'm almost. I'm going up the tree again. I listen to all of them once, and then I'm going back up them again because it's so much information to uh, absorb and start to think about. So I'm going up and listening from one again up, and uh, listening a second time. And it's. I think it's crucial that people listen from episode one. If you just jump into his latest one, you're going to be lost. I mean, um, I, you could start with the the documentary, the science of natural law. I, I really great. recommend yeah, that documentary. That's something to walk watch with a group of people and start a conversation. Yeah. Right. And it's only an hour long, right? So, I mean, and it does hit all the basics. So that's a great recommendation. I I, I should have thought of that. Yeah, it's kind of shorter, you yep. know, for people to get started. And then, you know, there's also the natural law conference, you know, when he does it at the conference, right? Yeah, eight hour one. That's a long one. <laughs> but yeah, you can do it sections. It's in three pieces. You know, yeah. Yeah. Hours, it's like watching three movies. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. I just tell people just to even watch an hour a day. Like, uh, I mean, I've only had two people actually. I've told a ton of people about that uh, lecture, and most of them won't put the time in, which kind of discourages me, but I can't make them watch it. And I've had two people actually confirm that they watched it and really got a lot of value and they enjoyed it, and it is making a big difference. So, I mean, two people I got to watch, 
I mean, it's something. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't, you know, stomach Mark Passio's way of putting it, you know, check out someone else's work. The check, go on the One Great Work Network. There's all kinds of people putting it in their own perspective from their own point of view. Yep. You know, and um, you're doing a great job too. Thanks so much, Rick, for what you're doing. Oh, you're dang. I'm just, I'm, I mean, I'm just thankful that I can meet people like you and Leslie and Will. And it's just amazing that when you start, uh, looking into this topic and I really enjoyed your YouTube channel. I hope people check that out because you have a lot of great interviews on there. And that's where I first uh, heard about Leslie powers is through your, that's how I found it. When you guys were talking about the fish tank, uh, uh, theory and stuff like that in that presentation. And I was, uh, that's how I first found you and Leslie. And then I watched that and enjoyed it so much. I started watching all of your videos on there and then wow. kind of got the ball rolling. Yeah. That's pretty exciting for me that, you know, you found us that way and that, you know, I was able to reach somebody, you know, that cared, you know. That, exactly. Yeah. You know, people like are out there. Awesome. People are out there. Yeah. No, I've met others there. too. And, and it seems like the longer I've been doing this, the more, the ball starts rolling and meeting more people and yes, um, it just takes time. So yeah, that's a good message for people out there too. Like if you feel like you want to start speaking out and doing some kind of work, it takes time. You just got to get going on it. Don't be nervous or shy. Just start putting stuff out there. At first, the bigger problem is no one wants to listen. It's not that everybody's going to hear what you, you know, what you screwed up on They're They're not going to hear it. (laughs) No one's going to listen. It's hard. It takes time. You got to meet people and keep trying different routes and keep saying things in different ways until you you can't do it for the views, right? Like that's the one thing that I had to, uh, like I try to tell people you can't get into doing the good work and caring about if you got a million views and that, I mean, that'd be a great thing, but the most important thing is getting the message out there and you never know who's going to come across your page or your podcast or however you want to teach this uh, great work. You know, that's what you have to be concerned about. You know, yeah. but there's the music there. Wow. The awesome. second hour is wow, already up. So yeah, I just want to thank everybody for uh, listening. Thank you, Chris, for uh, coming and joining us for this couple hours and talking about amazing topics. You're always welcome back, Chris. All right, man. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you so much. Perfect. Take care, guys, and I'll see you next week.
This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You opposed government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio 